Happy Father's Day. All you dads, it is an honor and a blessing to be a dad. All right, Philippians chapter 2. And and by the way, if you're like, well, what's this text? Uh, Paul's talking about Timothy. And uh, the key is verse 22. He says, uh, as a son with the father, he hath served me in the gospel. That's the Father's Day aspect of this text that I'm reading. So Philippians chapter 2, beginning of verse 19. Follow along as I read. Paul says, But I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timotheus shortly unto you, that I also may be of good comfort when I know your state. For I have no man like-minded who will naturally care for your state. For all seek their own, not the things which are Jesus Christ. But ye know the proof of him, that as a son with the Father, he hath served me in the gospel. Him, therefore, I hope to send presently, so soon as I shall see how it will go with me. But I trust in the Lord that I also myself shall come shortly. Yet I supposed it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and companion in labor and fellow soldier, but your messenger... And he that ministered to my wants. For he longed after you all and was full of heaviness because that ye had heard that he had been sick. For indeed he was sick, nigh unto death. But God had mercy on him, and not on him only, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. I sent him therefore the more carefully that when ye see him again, ye may rejoice. And that I may be the less sorrowful. Receive him therefore in the Lord with all gladness. And hold such in reputation. Because for the work of Christ. He was nigh unto death. Not regarding his life. To supply your lack of service toward me. May God bless his word. Let's bow together in prayer. Father we want to thank you today. For the blessing of worship. To be able to gather with like minded believers. And just walk together and worship you with our brothers and sisters in Christ. Bless them that could not be here, those that are joining us online. And Father, we pray that we would have a very precious time. Father, we thank you for earthly fathers. We're so grateful for those that you've put in our lives. And Father, we're so grateful for those of us that are blessed to be fathers And we're so grateful, Father, that you are our Heavenly Father. And I pray today as we look at dads and look at the idea of fatherhoods and fatherhood and father figures, Lord, I pray that you bless the Scriptures to us and and help us, Lord, cause us to leave here with grateful hearts. Because not just for dads, Father, but the people that you've put in our lives, the men that you've put in our lives that have been an example to us one way or another. Father, we thank you for them. We ask your blessing now in Jesus' precious name. Amen. And you may be seated. You recognize that first song we sang in the service was what Jason played, you played, right, last Sunday. And uh, the one that he played this Sunday, we're going to be singing next Sunday, so you need to start paying attention. I know, I remember when we first went to a music college many years ago, uh, and what the, it, when you're a part of a choir at a music college, we would work on a cantata, and the cantata was always brand new. Ron Hamilton had just written it. And I remember initially, there are songs I'd never heard. 
I like the songs I know. The songs we've sung a million times. And I remember really like, it, it was an uncomfortable territory. And it took me a while to get to use, used to it. Um, just because a song is written recently doesn't mean it's bad. You know, I know it's hard. Uh, but I've really come to love many of the songs that were written. And these songs here, at least to us, they're new. I'm not sure if they... Were some of them new, Jason? Like the one you played today? I don't... Okay, so it's... Okay. And and a lot of these, some of these are new, aren't they? So, um, so Jason likes this one. So now we have to do a good job next week of singing it, or he's going to make us sing it every single week until we get good at it. <laughs> that probably would be the best way for us to learn. He's shaking his head. No, he wouldn't do that. All right, we are... Uh, happy Father's Day again, dads. What a blessing um, just to be a dad. And what a blessing to have dads. If you have your father... Uh, if you had a father, obviously not everybody knows and knew their fathers, but if, if you have a dad that's still alive, thank the Lord for that. If you have a dad that uh, made a big impact on your life, praise the Lord. Uh, but today we're going to talk about the father figure. The father figure. Um, and so we're going to talk, well, I want to start out sharing some statistics on biological fatherhood. And this is from a, a, a source called moderngentleman.com um, regarding statistics on fatherless homes. And um, there are one point, first of all, there's 1.8 million solo dads in the United States. You know, we learn a lot about the, the fatherless home where a mom, and, and this by, by far is the majority where there are mothers that are raising their kids uh, but there are 1.8 million motherless dads, dads that are raising their kids. But unfortunately, a lot of the statistics then focus on and bring out that there are 7 million American dads today who were absent from the life of all their minor children. That is a lot, 7 million. Now, we're grateful for the 1.8 million dads that are, you know, for whatever reason, you know, trying to make a go of it and, and raising kids. But 7 million dads were absent from the life of all their minor children. That is a tragedy. Of course, divorce is the leading cause of fatherless homes. Uh, uh, 17.4 million children lived in fatherless homes. 17.4 million children uh, adolescent women from fatherless homes have a higher chance of getting of pregnancy, teenage pregnancy. Uh, there's a higher rate of suicide uh, in in high school students without fathers in their home. Uh, and another sad statistic: the number of incarcerated fathers in the United States grew significantly in the period from 1991 to 2007. That's like the first two decades of our, when we our church here. And in America, the incarceration of dads increased. And in this article in uh, moderngentleman.com, after all these statistics and a bunch I didn't quote, they made this statement as they then expanded to fatherless homes globally. And they said, if you live in a happy family or at least know both of your parents, you may not even have the idea of how privileged you are. Millions of children worldwide never called anyone dad. 
And these are just some of the numbers to paint a clearer picture. Millions of children grew up and they never, they weren't able to call anyone dad. So what we want to do today is um, with this in mind, we are not going to talk today necessarily about biological fathers, but we are going to talk about the importance of a male role model in a child's life. The importance of a male role model in a child's life. Let me give you the three points and then we'll jump in in prayer. Basically, we're going we're gonna to talk about uh, three, three kinds of men. Spiritual men, um, influential men, and dependable men. Those, those people in your life, hopefully, if you don't have a dad uh, or a reliable biological father that, that was there as a rock for you, Hopefully you have a father figure or father figures in your life that were a spiritual influence, that were, uh, they made a big impact on your life because of their character. So we're going to talk about that. Let's bow in prayer and then we'll jump in. In fact, uh, turn in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians 7. Let me give you a minute to do that before we pray. 1 Corinthians chapter 7. As we talk about the importance of male role models, the father figure. 1 Corinthians chapter 7. Everybody know where Corinthians is? Right after Exodus, right? All right, let's bow in prayer. Our God in heaven, we're so grateful for the opportunity uh, that we're so grateful for the people that you put in our lives. And uh, Lord, we're so grateful uh, just recently as we looked at the importance of mothers and uh, how um, it was not good for the man to be alone. And before you created women, um, there was something huge missing. And now today, Father, we want to direct our attention to the importance of male role models. We know that it is uh, being maligned today and downplayed in a time where it is more needed more than ever. And I pray that you'd bless our time in the Scriptures. And Father, we ask your blessing. Thank you for dads. Thank you for biological fathers. And thank you for those men in our lives that have stood before us in one way or another and been an example to us. And we ask your blessing today in Jesus' name. Amen. So, point number one is this. For a man, being married and having children, i.e. being a dad, being a biological dad, isn't the most important thing in life. Okay, Now, it is important, and it is a blessing But I want you to realize that scripturally, there's something even more important than being married and having children. And that is, as a man, it is far more important scripturally that you serve the Lord. So look at 1 Corinthians chapter 7. And Paul is addressing the idea, by the way, to to have, biblically speaking, to have a 
child, to be a biological father, biblically speaking, you should be married first. And, and then, you know, first, we used to sing this. I don't even know if they sing it anymore. First comes love, then comes marriage, then comes little Joey in the baby carriage. I don't know whatever name you fit in there. Does anyone sing that anymore? How many of you, you never heard of it? Are you kidding, Jim? It started out, Steve and Mary sitting in a tree, K-I-S-S-I-N-G, first comes love, then... You don't remember that? You really don't? Okay, some of you, the real old people, don't know I'm kidding. <laughs> but Jim doesn't know it. Okay, anyway. It might be from where you were from. This might be like a Delco thing or something. I don't know. No, you're from... <laughs> anyway. Maybe the, the K-I-S-S thing triggered the memory. But the bottom line, I was not planning on saying all that. Let's just, we'll cut that out. But here's the point, okay? Here's the point. Being, you know, being married and having children, biological children, while it is a blessing, and that's, of course, what we look at today, Father's Day is, tends to be, you know, having biological children, but I want you to realize that if you're, a, if you're a man, that's not the most important thing. In fact, you can be a father figure. And how important that is without even being married or having children. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 7 and verse 1. Paul says, Now concerning the things whereof you wrote unto me, it is good for a man not to touch a woman, Nevertheless, to avoid fornication, let every man have his own wife and let every woman have her own husband. You know what Paul's doing? He's giving permission to men. He's basically saying, if you have to, all right, get married. That's what he's saying. But he's actually promoting in this, if you read all of 1 Corinthians chapter 7, he's really beating the drum for being single because that's what he was. But it's like he's starting out and saying, because he understands, and it goes back to this idea where, you know, where it was not good for the man to be alone. And he, he's talking about fornication. And he says to avoid fornication, let every man have his own, own wife. And let every woman have her own, own husband. He's saying, okay, if you have to, you can get married. But let's jump down to verse 7. For I would, he says, here's what I'd, here's what I'd love. That all men were even as I myself. You know what he's talking about? He's single. Saying, thanks, Paul. He said, I would that all men were even as myself. He says, but every man hath his proper gift of God, one after this manner, another after that. I say, therefore, to the unmarried and widows, it is good for them if they abide even as I, being single. So he, he's really promoting the idea of not being married as, he's like saying, here's the best scenario. If you can, this would be the best thing. Verse 9, but if they cannot contain, let them marry, for it is better to marry than to burn. So if you're a guy, young guy, young gal, and you're like, oh, I can't imagine not being married, you know, that, okay, that, then for you, God may have marriage. Verse 10. And unto the married I command, yet not I, but the Lord, let not the wife depart from her husband. But, and if she depart, let her remain unmarried, or be reconciled to her husband, and let not the husband put away his wife. Now, jump down to verse 32. As he builds this theme, 
he's actually, the reason he is, of course, he's single, and he's content. That's where God called him to be. And he's like, he's telling people, there is a benefit to being single like me. There is a benefit that married people don't get to do this like we do. And it's found in verse 32 and 33. But I would have you without carefulness, anxiety. He that is unmarried careth for the things that belong to the Lord, how he may please the Lord. Saying, if you're unmarried like I am, you get to focus all your attention on just serving the Lord. But he that is married careth for the things that are of the world, how he may please his wife. This is why he is mainly in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, he's beating the drum for singleness if you can. So he's saying, you know, when, when you're married, you, you can't devote as much attention. You can't be 100% just serving the Lord because you've got someone else that you have to consider and take care of. And by the way, there's a lot of men, even men in ministry, that need to understand that this verse is in the Bible. Because there's a lot of men that go into ministry full bore and they got married, but they act as if they weren't married, you know? And, oh, I'm just serving Jesus. And you need to understand that being single versus being married, the single person can, can spend more time just focusing on the Lord. So with that in mind, being if you're a man... Being married and having children isn't the most important thing. The most important thing is that you walk with the Lord. You see, if you walk with God as a man, you will impact people's lives without even realizing it. Because you walk with God. You walk with God. Now, for biological dads, we, we have a challenge. And by the way, if you are a biological dad, the most important thing for you and me is to walk with the Lord. One pastor, national pastor, um, well-known pastor, years ago made this statement. And uh, it's been quoted a lot. It's convicting. Uh, but it is a challenge to dads, biological dads. And... The emphasis is putting the Lord first. But listen to what this said. He said, where, this pastor said, Where a man belongs is on his knees beside his wife leading in prayer. Where a man belongs is at the bedside of his children leading in devotion and prayer. Where a man belongs is in the driver's seat leading his family to the house of God. Where a man belongs is up early and alone with God seeking vision and direction for the family. Men I challenge you in the name of Jesus Christ, our King, be where you belong. Wow. That's convicting, isn't it? Especially if you have a wife and, a, and, a, and children. But all men need to walk with the Lord. How important that is. There is a thing today that I call, I, I use this term a lot, faux. F-A-U-X. Faux fatherhood. You know, there are, there are people that, there's a thing called faux fatherhood. I just made it up, by the way. But um, there are people that 
present themselves as great dads, great spiritual men that are neither. Back in 1989, some of you weren't born, I realize that. But back in 1989, an expose came out that was very negative about a nationally known pastor that um, had, was one of the largest Baptist pastors in fundamental Baptist circles. And uh, this, this expose came out in a Christian ma- uh, newspaper. And at the time, many looked at it as just slander. And, and you know, when you're in the public limelight, when you're in the public, there's always going to be people that are going to criticize you. And a lot of people just wrote it off as, this is just, and they wouldn't even read it. I don't want to hear it. This is just somebody's bad mouthing someone else. And by the way, you and I need to, we need to avoid gossip, do we not? I don't want to remind you though, James chapter 3 says, Be not many masters, teachers, knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation. When you put yourself out there as a man of God, you're going to be under greater scrutiny, and that needs to be understood. Just because there's a bad report about someone, folks, doesn't mean it's slander or it's gossip. You know, there's a verse in the Scriptures that God uses regarding His prophets. Touch not mine anointed. And there's been a lot of pastors and spiritual leaders uh, over the years that have used that to try to avoid scrutiny regarding their personal lives. Touch not the Lord's anointed. And that was used for this guy too. But there's so many people that didn't even give one ounce and one iota of attention because they just said, okay, this is somebody bad-mouthing someone else. But then, years after that, this man's daughter came forward and basically said, you know all those things? They were true. Now, there's some people that will still, well, this is just the daughter bad-mouthing. Folks, I want to submit to you. You and I, what did Jesus say? Beware of wolves in sheep's clothing. How do you know them? By ignoring all bad reports. No. You know them by their fruits. One of the greatest tragedies in my mind was the testimony of this daughter. I got two of them. Daughters are awesome. They really are. Nothing like that. And by the way, sons are great too. Sons are awesome. But you know, my son's like, I just ruined, I just severed heartstrings of my son. But my, you know, just thinking of daughters though, because this is a daughter, there's something special about daddy's little girl. And... um I realize that, you know, when your daughters are little, you're like, dads can do no wrong. And then you get to the point where it's not that way, right? But that, folks, if, you, if, you, if, you're, if you're a dad that loves your children, to me the greatest thrill is to be able to have a relationship with my adult kids on that level. They're now like friends. They're, it's, it's awesome. There's another human being. There are other human beings in this life that came from us. And I get to talk to them and have fellowship with them. This daughter did not have that kind of relationship. 
but her dad was a man of renown. Hailed by multitudes. He had checked all the boxes as far as a pastor, you know, in today's environment. Pastor of a large growing church. Super popular uh, preacher. Very, um, you know, in-demand speaker. Just a man held so highly. I want you to listen. What I believe is the most tragic statement. It's from his own daughter. And here's what she said. She said, my dad pastored a church that evolved into a 50,000-member cult. It operated and still operates under the guise of an independent fundamental Baptist church. But those who have left, the followers who have tried to leave, the outsiders, even the media, recognize that it is clearly a cult. Every member was in complete obedience to my father. They didn't dare disagree or be disloyal for fear of being publicly ridiculed or punished or banished. Boy, that reminds me of the book of Acts, remember? There were people that, uh, in several instances, um, John, or not the book of Acts, I'm talking about during Jesus' time. John chapter 9, John chapter 12, there were people that uh, didn't want to be put out of the synagogues. And so they would not, they would not publicly confess Jesus Christ. This, this gal says, uh, people in the church didn't even go on vacation without asking my dad's permission. Can you imagine that? I got, can you imagine if, if you had to come to me to get an okay for, uh, what are your vacation plans? What, you're not allowed to go on vacation without, can you imagine that? See, you're laughing. Why are you laughing? What's wrong with that? No, you're laughing because you know. There's something really wrong with that. But he had created this environment. Um, If he had said to drink the Kool-Aid, I'm not kidding, they would have. My dad lived a double life. One of a righteous family man and of a dynamic speaker in the public eye but another one of sordid sexual secrets, privately secrets that only my siblings and me and my mom knew. He hated my mom. Hated her. Treated her terribly. Abused her. And even turned his own children against his mother. We hated her. He told us she was crazy. We thought to make him happy, we would hate her too. Our home was so full of turmoil, hatred, stress, strife. And as a little girl, it was isolating. It was very intense and it was frightening. That reminds me of Proverbs 15 and verse 17. It is better is a dinner of herbs where love is than a stalled ox and hatred therewith. He had a mistress for many years, the wife of a Sunday school teacher. He built her family a beautiful home right around the corner from ours. You could see their family from our back door. It was craziness, living one way, preaching another. That's faux fatherhood. Yeah, you're a biological dad. You got a family. In fact, in this case, you got a large ministry. You're respected by multitudes across America. And it's all a sham. She goes on. it's, it's just, let me just, the worst thing to me um, was that he had already severed heartstrings 
This man was a faux father, a fake father. He did not, he was not living an example. He was, he was a biological father that was a successful pastor, but he wasn't even worthy of being a father figure. And after he retired, I forget the exact details, but I will never forget. The church was having a big, they were going to honor him. Remember, this is a huge church. They were going to honor this man that was their pastor that is retired. And he had already severed the, the heartstrings of his daughter. But he wanted the whole family to come back so they could go on the platform as they honored him. And all the family could stand in front of the congregation and smile. And everyone could look up and go, what a happy family. And she didn't want anything to do with it. God bless her. You know, she gets, a, she gets a trophy for that. But to me, as she shared how my dad called with me and pleaded with me, would you just please do this for your dad? Please, just one, it's the one last thing I'd ask of you. And it's so tragic because I look at that and I'm like, it's all about him. Instead, that man should have humbled himself and went to his family and begged forgiveness and sought to restore. You got a whole lot more to worry about than just how you look in front of the public. But you see, if you're a faux father, that doesn't matter. How sad when a biological father doesn't have enough integrity to even be a father figure. Second, first is spiritual. If you're a, if you're a, a man, not even a biological, you're just a, a man, be a spiritual man so that you can be a father figure because there's going to be young children, there's going to be kids, and it's been this way for three decades, folks. Had a lot of young people grow up in this church, and I am so thankful for the men that those young people have seen. Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, if you'd turn there. Now here's where Paul starts talking about himself. And here's where we learn that Paul was never married. Did you know the Apostle Paul was never married? Peter was married. So were other of the Apostles. Look at 1 Corinthians 9 and verse 5. Because he's... he's talking about not he's he's acknowledging that he's not married but he's defending his right to be married you know look at verse nine or five have we not power to lead about a sister a wife as well as other apostles and as the brethren of the lord the lord jesus had half brothers they were married and cephas peter that's peter by the way, Peter's listed in the scriptures with a bunch of different names. Jesus named him Cephas, which was the Aramaic name. But remember in the Bible, in that first century time, most people spoke multiple languages. So he was given the name Cephas, that's an, his Aramaic name. His birth name was Simon Peter, and he was also called Simeon. He was also called Simon Bar-Jonah, which is Simon's son of Jonah. So, and we're all talking about Peter. But notice here, Paul is saying, he's saying, you know, we have, we have the right to lead about a sister, a wife, as Peter and the brothers of the Lord. Now, he didn't take advantage of that right, 
And, and that's how we know Paul was single. Now, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 4. Because Paul, though he was never married, and he did not have biological children, he talks about having a lot of children. He didn't have biological children, but he had spiritual children. Let me give you an example. 1 Corinthians, the Corinthians, he referred to. Look at verse chapter 4, 1 Corinthians 4 and verse 15. He was very upset with the influence. Some of these false teachers were coming in and leading the people he led to the Lord away from sound doctrine. And he said in verse 15, For though ye have ten thousand instructors in Christ, yet have ye not many fathers. For in Christ Jesus I have begotten you through the gospel. Paul was, again, very jealous of the influence that these false teachers were coming in because he's the one that led them to the Lord. He, you know, these were his spiritual children, and he took it very personal. He, he was responsible for them. He said, you may have 10,000 instructors, but I have begotten you through the gospel. So I want you to think for a minute, not today of your biological dad, but maybe if you have a spiritual dad, do you have a spiritual dad? Someone that led you to the Lord? Now, if it was a lady, it's a spiritual mother. Or how many of you have spiritual dads that you know of? Okay. All right, you know that, um, thank you. You know that, uh, you know my dad, my spiritual dad, John Caputo, one of our missionaries. And uh, he's just a few years older than me. He used to be a lot older than me when I was in high school. And the gap kind of closed, you know. Um, but he's the man that led me to the Lord. So he's my spiritual father. That's a very special thing. Now, do you realize that there's a, there's a, whoever led him to the Lord is my spiritual grandfather. And that's a man named Bob McNeil. It's pretty cool. You ever trace your roots spiritually? My roots, you know, my roots are John, John Caputo is my spiritual father. And then Bob McNeil is my spiritual grandfather. Do you know who your spiritual grandfather is? Now, the person that led Bob McNeil to the Lord was Billy Graham on TV. So he's my spiritual great-great-great-grandfather, I guess. You know, that's how it works. But you get the picture. You see, there is an influence out there that's even more important than your biological father, and those are the people that influenced you spiritually for the gospel. Peter, or excuse me, Paul, that was very important to him. He was, he called himself in 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 2. He said, um, unto Timothy, mine own son in the faith. To Onesimus, when he wrote Philemon, or excuse me, to Philemon, he was referring to Onesimus and he said, I beseech thee for my son Onesimus, whom I have begotten in my bonds. So over and over again, Paul looked at these people that he had influenced. Paul saw himself as a father figure. And he beat the drum for that. Who are the father figures in your life? Some of the men in this church? I know. Many have told me uh, growing up. And that's why I appreciate it. I've shared this 
this man before. His story uh, came out in a, a magazine a while back. Uh, the man's name is Kelvin Cochran. And uh, they did a write-up on him. I think it was World Magazine. He was uh, he, he was an adult. I think he was the chief of a fire department in in um, perhaps in Louisiana. Very influential man. Had, had come up the ranks as a young black man. I want you to listen to what he said and what this article said. Long before he started school in a government projects neighborhood of Shreveport, Louisiana, back in the early '60s. Little Kelvin Cochran had already learned crucial life lessons. For the Cochrans, life was food stamps, four boys to a bed, mayonnaise sandwiches. And that doesn't just mean you put mayonnaise on your sandwich. That means that's the sandwich. (laughs) Mayonnaise and bread and sugar water. Kelvin knew not everybody lived like that. He didn't want to live like that one minute longer than he had to. He wanted family to be different when he grew up. So here's a young man that didn't have a father, not a present father. But look what it said. He looked up at the handful of kind, accomplished men around him at Galilee Baptist Church. Saw how they dressed and spoke, how they treated each other with respect, loved on their wives and children if they had them. The boy with no dad so ardently wanted all of that for his mom, for his brothers and sisters, and for himself. I love that. Because, folks, most Bible-believing churches in America are small churches like ours. And some would make you think, well, unless your church has at least 300 people, you you can't have any impact. Folks, we've been gone for 30 years. And every young person that's come up through this church has had father figures available to them. For the mom that brings their kids to church, there's men here every Sunday. And and just like little little Kelvin Cochran, you know, the little kids look at our adults and they should be seeing and they can see here men loving one another, you know, just having a good time with them. I'm so thankful for that influence. I'm so thankful for the father figures in our church. This article closes with this about his mom. As challenging as race was in those days, my mother never ever taught us or instilled in us any bigotry, any racism, any hatred. Hatred, she said, isn't going to change someone's heart. Love, forgiveness is going to change people's heart. Praise the Lord for that. Third point, as a man, the importance of, first of all, being a spiritual man. Secondly, being an influential man. Be involved. Live your life before others. And then thirdly, being a dependable man. I want you to go to Philippians chapter 2 now. Philippians chapter 2. Paul is talking and about dependable people. In fact, we won't go there, but in 2 Timothy, his very last letter before he'd be, he'd be martyred, he writes and he challenges Timothy. In 2 Timothy 4 and verse 9, he says, Do thy diligence, Timothy, to come shortly unto me. And then he, spent, then he says, 
Four, and then he, he talks about all the people that forsook him. Demas forsook me. Alexander the coppersmith did me much evil. This guy's going here. This guy's going there. He's basically saying, Timothy, I need you in my life. Please come. And here in Philippians chapter 2, he shares why he depended so much on Timothy. Timothy was a dependable man. Look at verse 19, Philippians 2, 19. But I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timotheus shortly unto you, that I also may be of good comfort when I know your state. For I have no man like-minded who will naturally care for your state. Paul knew Timothy was a cream of the crop. He could depend on Timothy. You may remember back when I preached on problem people, I mentioned um, that verse, confidence in an unfaithful man in time of troubles like a broken tooth and a foot out of joint. And I share with you how many years ago I remember preaching, um, and it's still true, the, 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 the kernel of it, people can't let you down if they're not holding you up. But in that message, we were looking at the New Testament church, how we are interconnected, that every joint is to supply the needs of one another. Remember that? My point was, we need dependable people in our life. Timothy was one of those men. Look at verse 22, Philippians 2.22. You know the proof of him that as a son with a father, he has served me in the gospel. Him therefore I hope to send presently so soon as I shall see how it will go with me. Thank the Lord for those dependable men in your life. I close with this. And I've shared this in different ways. But today I want to focus on kind of a flip side of what I shared. Three men, a lot of men have made an impact in my life, many in this church. That uh, I am who I am today because of the people that God has put, some of the men that God has put. There are three men that have had the most influence in my life. My father, my father-in-law, and my pastor. My dad never knew his father. His father died when my dad was three years old. If anybody, did, you know, if anybody could have made an excuse for being a horrible father, it'd be my dad. My dad was a not just a father figure. He was a present dad. He was no faux dad. My dad was just, a, he loved my mom. He loved us. He was a rock to me. And my dad, only a few years ago, because uh, I asked him, and, and he only learned it recently. Somebody had asked him, I guess, he, medical community, you know, did you ever have any father figures in your life? And he didn't think he did. He had an older brother that was pretty much away most of the time. But then on deeper contemplation, he realized his best friend's dad was like a father figure to him. He was a police officer. A Philadelphia police officer. Can you imagine that? A father figure uh, from his best friend's dad. So every time my dad would go over to his best friend's house, there's, oh yeah, that's Charlie's dad. And he was just there as my friend's dad. Well, apparently, that had more of an impact than he would have thought. You never know. My father-in-law had a biological dad not the best example. Didn't really treat his wife or his kids 
just was not a not a good role model. It wasn't he wasn't present. He was you know. But you know what? My father in law shares, and I love this because I don't know if it's true today. He asked my father in law, "Do you ever have any father figures in your life?" He said, "Yep, Ward Cleaver." You laugh. And now who's the father's no father knows best? Remember that show? Who was the dad on that? Anybody remember? Robert. Okay. Those men, even though they're on TV and, and you know, yes, they were kind of faux dads, but isn't it sad? But he that was important to him. Those shows gave him a rock and a father figure that he didn't have in his own life. And it was an example. Don't look at the dads on TV today. You're not going to get that, are you? Now, yeah, I know there's reruns of Leave it to Beaver and Father Knows Best. Okay. But where is it? Sadly, most dads that are presented on TV are not father figures. And then my own pastor, his dad was, I think, a drunk and, and, and just not a real good dad. And it was his father-in-law a man of God that, that was his role model, his father figure. So folks, today, let's thank God for father figures, those in your life. And let's pray that we, if you're a, if you're a, a man, let's pray, whether or not we're biological dads or not, let's pray that we can impact other people's lives. And what you think that way. Because we don't. There are people all around us, young people. Not as many as we used to have. We're looking forward to us having some more people added to the church. Young people. But we got them. And you, you should be a role model to those young people. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for those father figures in our life. Thank you for those people that we may not have even like my dad, not even really thought about the influence of the men in their lives, especially when you're a kid. Uh, But Father, we're so grateful for those father figures, men that are spiritual and live part of that out in front of us, men that are influential even more than we realize. And then men, like Timothy, that are dependable. Lord, help us as men to be spiritual men. Help us to be influential men. Help us to be dependable men. And Lord, we thank you for those father figures that fit that bill in our lives. We ask your blessing in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Let's take our hymn books up.